It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Alex Chase on one game suspension for the cross check on the Leafs. Jimmy VC at the buzzer last night, so no Chase on tomorrow. Could see Nugent Hopkins, Drysital, Yamamoto back together. They practice together today. Dominic Cahoon was not on the ice. Dave Tippett simply saying unfit to participate in practice. It was James Neal on the left wing with Connor McDavid and Jesse Pugliarvi, Mike Smith in the home team net, an indication that he will start the game tomorrow. 4.30 face-off show game at 6 here on 6.30 Chet. Updating the NHL action tonight, we do have some North Division games to tell you about. Early in the second period, Jets up 2-1 on the Canucks. And it is the Canadians leading the Senators 2-1 early in the third. Also, early second period, Hurricanes leading Nashville 2-zip late in the first. Tampa Bay with a 1-0 lead in Dallas. Palat has his ninth of the season. Early in the third, Columbus leading Detroit 4-1. Also in the third, Penguins leading the Flyers 3-1. No Crosby tonight. He's on the COVID protocol list. Rangers with a 3-2 edge on the Sabres. That's almost halfway through the third. And five minutes into the third, we finally have a goal in New Jersey. Wallstrom, his fourth of the year, it was shorthanded a minute 10 into the third. So Islanders lead the Devils one zip. The Western Hockey League, all four divisions will play. The BC announcing a couple of the BC division announcing a couple of hub cities today. So they're going to start later this month and things are rolling in Alberta with games over the weekend. Your Edmonton Oil Kings started 2-0. Down the highway in Red Deer, the Rebels suffered an overtime loss to Medicine Hat and uh, then a regulation loss to the Tigers in the Saturday rematch. Uh, To get an update on the Rebels on and off the ice, we welcome the coach and GM Brent Sutter back to Inside Sports. Brent, you're on with Reed, sir. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Reed. It's great to catch up with you. Thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, first of all, uh, man, you, you made it. You and the organization made it. Uh, how, how did it feel to be back on the bench and see the guys playing a game Friday night after that long, long wait? Well, I think the players were all extremely excited. Um, you know, it has been a long time. Uh, the kids have, uh, you know, been uh, obviously itching to get back going. Um, it's still... You know, it's still uh, uh, early. It's early in it. You know, it's uh, it's really weird the way it's just kind of the way it's been. You get two weeks of practice, and you're getting right into games, and their games are, uh, um, you know, you get intense, right? And uh, so it's with only a 24 game schedule. So it's been good. The players have been awesome. Uh, they've came back with good attitudes, working hard, and you know, and we just see where it goes now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mentioned the results for you guys, uh, a 5-4 overtime loss and, and then a bit of a rough ride the next night in Medicine Hat, uh, 7-2. The Tigers took that one. Tell us a little bit about how you played and, and maybe your expectations for the team this year. Well, I got high expectations for our team. Um, and, and the players should should do themselves. Uh, we're a year older. We were a really young team last year and we're still young. We don't have a 19 or 20-year-old defenseman on our team, but 
Um, you know, I thought the first game we actually played really well in, uh, and I thought both teams it was it was uh, it was just excitement in the game, right? Everyone was excited about getting back playing, and then the other night, uh, the second game, it was it had more kind of a I don't want to I don't know be negative on it, but it kind of almost had an exhibition feel to it. Just a lot of mistakes by both teams. Uh, by both teams, maybe looked a little bit tired. Um, they had scored four goals on the first 12 shots and we were only 12 minutes into the game so um you know it was just it was a weird game and but i shouldn't say it's uh um it's you know it's unexpected i mean it's been a year since these kids started playing games and it's going to take a little bit yeah tell us a little bit about because i'm looking on the website here it only has the schedule for this this weekend coming up and maybe you can't tell me yet but how how far ahead are the games going to wind up being scheduled do you think well we there will be announcements soon after this weekend and coming weekend of games uh um we hope to get into where we can play play uh hopefully some three on threes and stuff like that after that so but the league will announce the next uh the next part of the schedule or we're kind of just again we need to get through the first couple of weeks and it'll be really evaluated which it has been by uh, by the health ministries and uh, health minister and let us uh, and let us know kind of where we can go now so it's all encouraging okay I, I, I really wanted to have you on tonight because I was talking to Cam Moon this morning who I know helped uh, set you up uh, for the show tonight yeah, and he said uh, he said the rebels are, are living at the rink. Yeah, and I said, well, what do you mean they're living at the rink? He goes, well, th- they're living at the rink. He goes, Brent, Brent can tell you if you want to have him on the show. So can you tell me how literal that is when it comes to living at the rink? Well, we it got it got uh, proposed to us by the league off or by the Western Park if uh, if maybe if we wanted to put the kids in the suites, and uh, you know we were in a situation where we. Uh, you know, we had some billets that weren't sure if they wanted to bring any, anything else in the house, anyone else in the house, just because of the situation and with COVID and stuff. And uh, and where, you know, just with them having kids in school and so forth. And and also the fact that we were, uh, you know, we had an opportunity maybe to stay in hotel. But when this got proposed to us, uh, we made the suites into hotel rooms for the kids. And... Uh, with the blessing of the sweet holders and work behind the scenes with Western Park and our staff. There was a lot of work put together, but the kids are living, you're right, the kids are living in the rink and uh, they're getting eaten there and everything like that. They're getting fed there and it's going really well so far. It's been awesome for the players. Okay, so they, they get the, the food brought in, so they kind of have their own, their own individual hotel room. That, that And for the kids, now I asked Cam too, the kids are in school, yeah, it's, nothing's kind of changed for them, right? Because you guys went online. How how long have you guys been online in Red Deer? It's been two years. So, oh, um, wow. you know, we we have a classroom every day uh, downstairs between nine and eleven thirty, and they do their online schooling downstairs in a big room downstairs, and uh, and you know they have they have everything set up on the concourse for them, ping pong tables, uh, basketball uh, hoops, uh, different things that they can do on the concourse and the rooms, uh, the suites, each player has a suite to himself and, uh, it, it's worked out really well. And, uh, and we have a, there's a catering company that's, uh, working right at the kitchen, right at the centrum. So they're doing all the meals for the players. 
um, you know, with the kids all being together like that, and all, you know, we're all one under one roof. Um, we've been able to, you know, go outside and they've been playing ball outside and throwing football around and stuff like that. So, for for them personally, it's been it's been really good in a sense where with the protocols, if they were staying in billets, they only had they could only be at the rink or their billets. You can't be anywhere else in the community and and uh, at the hotel to either rink in or in a hotel room. And, this just gives the kids a lot more things to do. Um, they're, they've been really liking it a lot. They're getting fed well. Uh, so, you know, they've been really happy. They've been, uh, it's all been really good. Well, that, that is very unique. Uh, I, that, that's awesome how that's been, they've been able to work out. So, uh, I, well, I don't want to call them rink rats because they're not rats, but I guess, <laughs> but still the, the notion of a hockey player who lives at the rink is, is coming true. That's pretty cool. Brent Sutter from the Red Deer Rebels joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Uh, Brent, I'm going to ask you uh, to, to draw back to your, uh, to your playing days if you can. I like to get a, a memory there or two if you can, but this one I'm going to structure around the the latest struggles for the Edmonton Oilers they haven't scored well maybe this you have a story from your coaching career too when it's a dry spell for a team or a player offensively anything uh, that you would try to do or go back to to try to get that offensive vibe back on with yourself or with your team well there's a fine line right because as soon as you start talking too much about offense and then your game slips away on other areas that are really important to have success too and uh you got to be careful in how you address it and how you go about it. But a lot of times it's just, uh, you know, just get more pucks than that. You know, just things that you know, the game's not a difficult game to play. And it's, uh, and yet I think it's not so much the players, it's everyone around outside the game that try to make it difficult on the players with their mindsets and stuff like that. And they just have to stay the course. Uh, um, you know they got some very gifted, obviously offensive players, and they'll they'll score enough goals. And I don't think, uh, to be quite honest, uh, you know at the end of the day, I don't think Tip is, uh, you know, he's one of those coaches too that's going to put a lot of responsibility on the players to make sure they play well on the right side of the pucks, whether they have it or when they don't have it. And um, you know so. You've got to be careful because it's uh, it can really you can really lose your structure within your team if you start focusing so much on offense and then uh, you start cheating around the ice and you get yourself in situations where you spend a lot of time in your own zone and um, you know I, I they're going to score goals you know they, they got one of the best power plays in the National Hockey League they get two of the best offensive players in the National Hockey League um, you know they're they're going to get their goals but you know what the goals do come easier for certain individuals, right? So a lot of other guys have to, there's a lot, you know, other ways you gotta, you gotta be able to uh, score and you gotta get pucks to the net and you gotta make sure you're getting around the net and trying to create, get some dirty goals. And it only takes a goal or two and it changes confidence too within your team and then you get going again. So uh, I, the orders are going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the I like the way you put that. That's that's true, Brent. Thanks for the update. It's always great to have you on the show. I, I know it's uh, I know it's busy, but thanks for sharing uh, the, the the weekend, the, how how you guys looked on the weekend, and also uh, how the players are living. That that is really cool and good for for you guys in the city of Red Deer to get that set up. Thanks so much for checking in tonight. Hope we can talk again soon. You better read. Thanks, bud.
That is Brent Sutter checking in tonight, the uh, president, GM, coach of the Red Deer Rebels. So there's the story. The, the players are, are living in the suites at uh, at the Centrum in Red Deer. So he explained how that all got set up. That can be an off-topic topic for tonight. If you could live in any hockey rink, past or present, which would it be? Would you camp out at the say, – say for two weeks. Would you camp out at the Montreal Forum? Would you pick one of the uh, new modern buildings? 780-496-0063. You can text in. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Jeffrey from downtown says, uh, I would uh, I would live in old Chicago Stadium to have the organ as an alarm clock. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. And uh, Willie says, uh, that's easy. Sky Reach Center, I'd sleep way up on the catwalk. <laughs> oh, man. I, you'd have it to yourself, Willie. I'm not sure I would stay up there. I, I, I like uh, Jeffrey's idea of having the organ as the alarm clock at the old Chicago Stadium. That is pretty cool. 780-496-0063. Okay, uh, we're going to do a, a segment here that we do periodically on Inside Sports that has quickly become one of uh, the most popular segments we have on the show. Actually, I don't know if that's true or not. There's no scientific evidence. We have not done a poll. I just like saying that. Uh, it is called Name the Animal. So I want to explain how it works because it, it can be quite complicated. So Kellen Kennedy, who is the studio producer, he's back at 6.30 Chet. I'm in my uh, spare bedroom known as my office in my house in Macaulay. So... Kellen's going to play the sound of an animal. It can be any animal. I don't know what it is. And then from that, I have to guess it. If you help me, sometimes people text in because it could take me several minutes to get it. That's fine. You're allowed to do that. But if you help me guess, I just want to let you know there is no prize. You don't get a canned ham. You don't get a book about that animal. You don't get a CD of that animal making sounds. Uh, you don't get to meet Brian Hall. You just get to feel good about helping me. So that's all. So it's name the animal. Now, it all, we've done this maybe eight times now, maybe 10. Uh, only once have I immediately named the animal. A couple other times I've been close and got it soon. Most of the time, I have no clue what it is. So you could actually start, before Kellen even plays the sound, you could start texting in the names of animals, and you'd probably still do better than whatever my first couple of guesses are going to be. All right. Kellen, do we have we established the rules for everybody? Because it's quite yeah. a complex game. Yeah, that's not, quite a complex game. That sounds like what we've okay. agreed to. Yep, exactly. I uh, just want to just preface the clip by saying that it's rather short, so I'll have to loop it a few times. And oh there's God. a little bit of noise in the background on the first front See, of it. You get me nervous whatever. by giving me all these qualifiers. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, folks, uh, name the animal in three, two, and one. It's a chipmunk. 
No, it is not. Am I close? Is it some sort of little rodent like that? No, it's larger than a rodent. Is it a mammal? It is a uh, marsupial, actually. Not a mammal, a marsupial. Oh, is it a marsupial? Is it a kangaroo? It is, yes. It is? Okay. That's that's what a kangaroo sounds like. That's a baby kangaroo right there. This is a full-size one. Oh, interesting. It almost sounds like it's laughing there. Uh, it's, there's a small child tickling its uh, belly. So it, oh, of course. Like, well, what else are you gonna do when? <laughs> what else are you gonna do when you meet a when you meet a kangaroo? Okay. Well, basically, you helped me a lot there because once you told me it was a marsupial, a kangaroo is the only marsupial that I know. Is that is that a pouched animal? It is a pouched animal. Yes. So what else? Uh, what other marsupials do we know? We got kangaroos. Okay, I looked it up. Oh, wallabies, koalas, opossum wombats, mm-hmm. Tasmanian devils, and something extinct called a thylacine. So there's going to be some animal person who will thylacine. Somebody out there will know how to pronounce that. All right, so I kind of got that. And for some reason, I thought it was like maybe a chipmunk or a squirrel. But, I've, I mean, we all know about ang- kangaroos. I never knew what sound they made. So very educational, Kellen. Good for you. That's the great thing about Name the Animal. Entertaining and educational just like mr dress up or sesame street it's a trip around the world and you don't even have to leave uh you know the comfort of your radio yeah it's the perfect pandemic game feel like you've traveled to australia and seen a kangaroo up close whereas really you were just listening to inside sports ryan guessed that it was a lemur aren't those the ones that have the striped tails and the big spooky eyes and they hang from trees and stuff yeah ryan will tell me I think Ryan's good at naming the animal. Uh, Heather guessed monkey. Did we have some kind of a monkey once? I can't. I'm. I, we've done this so many times, I can't remember. And Peter from Wainwright. <laughs> this is a good one. I don't, how do you know this, Peter? He says it sounds like the bat when Ozzy Osbourne bit its head off. <laughs> Where did, is that? The, <laughs> do you have a recording of that, Peter? My goodness. All right. Well, that was uh, that was name the animal. Always, really, the most astounding thing we could ever bring you here on six thirty. Chet, it's uh, of the week. It's amazing. It evolved. Yeah, I don't think we've done it for a couple of weeks. It's really the. I think at this point, it's the highlight of my life. <laughs> I don't. I. I don't feel that's a stretch. Uh, somebody else guessed that it was uh, a pig. No, not not a pig. No. A per person's probably from the Lamont area. A lot of pigs out there. 780-496-0063. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. What was life like in the curling bubble? And uh, more on the Oilers scoring woes when we get back.
Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We got uh, the Islanders up 2-0 on the Devils late in the third. The Rangers have beaten the Sabres 3-2. Three minutes left in Pittsburgh, 5-2 for the Penguins. No Crosby. He's on the COVID protocol list. We have the Blue Jackets defeating the Red Wings 3-1. Montreal leads Ottawa 3-1 late in the third. Late in the second period, Jets up 3-1 on the Canucks. And the Hurricanes up 3-0 on the Predators. Early second period, Lightning with a 1-0 edge on the Stars. Oilers and Leafs tomorrow. Uh, I guess we'll still see about Austin Matthews. We'll still see about Freddie Anderson. You will not see Alex Chase on one-game suspension for the cross-check of Jimmy VC right at the end of last night's game. I did not see that live. I saw the video this morning, but I, I did see the penalty on the game sheet. And uh, just from hearing some other stuff, obviously we knew something was up and that a suspension was likely, so he does indeed get hit with a one-game ban. Now, a one-game ban. A one-game ban would be uh, kind of fun. You could just bring in a different band every game. All right, so here's here's what I want to tell you from practice. Dominic Cahoon was not out there today, and Dave Tippett didn't offer any update on his condition other than saying that he was unfit to participate. So, James Neal played left wing in the top six, but he didn't take Cahoon's spot. He played with McDavid and Pugliarvi. Now, we haven't seen Neal for a few games. Tippett said he sounds like it's, you know, from the way Tippett put it, sounds like he's going to be available tomorrow. That means the other top six line was Dreisaitl between Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto, the line that absolutely tore it up five-on-five last season for Edmonton. They were the Oilers' top line, even though it didn't have Connor McDavid on it. That uh, That was the Oilers' top line through well at really after new year's day last season and they stayed together until the foot turned out to be the final regular season game against winnipeg on march 11th and then they were not together in the playoffs a lot of us including me wanted them together especially when they got down 2-1 to chicago you didn't they might have had a few shifts together in the third period of game four against chicago we haven't seen them together this year so can they recapture that magic can they have that chemistry can they have the tenacity that they had last season that i think we'll see keeping pucks alive creating second chances that was really their calling card that's how they created a lot of their chances they got in they forechecked they cycled the puck and they simply would not go away and i think you're going to need that against the leafs they got to get to the net a little bit more now the question is does that leave mcdavid on an island Quite frankly, I, I don't know if it does entirely because I, I got to say, I think Pugliarvi has been good. I, I think he's still up and down. I think he's still learning. And maybe he's going to be a bit of an inconsistent player throughout his career. But he makes more plays than he was in the first five or six games of the season. And he's been relatively reliable. And then at least when he's on the ice, you can kind of feel that, that something might happen. Neil, I don't know. Um you know, Neil can still finish some plays. He doesn't get a ton of points anymore. I think that here's the thing with, with Neil. I, I still think he adds a bit of a dimension to the team in that he can still play with a bit of ruggedness. Like he can be a, a, a little bit of a jerk out there with, a, you know, a little bit of a late hit or, or a stick and getting under guy's skin. He's obviously not quick. I think he's, you know, I think usually he's been at his best lately when he's on a line with Chase on, uh, regardless of who is centering it. But maybe Neil gets that shot 
up there tomorrow, especially if Cahoon isn't ready to go. And again, he didn't practice today. The The bottom six, no, no, we'll see. We, you you kind of go by jersey colors at practice. So the, the guys in the top six usually wear white. And then the players in the bottom six usually wear gray. So the the two lines in gray were Kara between Ennis and Archibald. And then it was Turris with Nygaard and Shore. So you'd have to activate a couple of guys off the taxi squad to do that. And then there was a line in baby blue, which usually means that's the fifth line. And that was Haas, Patrick Russell, and Chase on. So I'm sure at that point, the Oilers were pretty sure Chase on was going to get suspended. Patrick Russell, you can take out and put on the taxi squad. And then Haas, who I think has been okay, though you'd like his face-offs to be better, especially shorthanded. So maybe this is an opportunity to get Tourist back in and maybe Nygaard comes back in and we haven't seen Shore for a while. So maybe they put in an, an entirely new fourth line. Tourist has been a little bit banged up for about a week and a half. We know he's struggled this season. We're still waiting for him to get going. Nygaard to me, and I know Stoff wants Nygaard in against the Leafs, and he's made the argument with the taxi squad, you have more flexibility than ever to tailor your line to your opponent. I agree that Nygaard's speed helps. Here's my thing with Nygaard. It is fine to skate fast. Not a lot happens when he gets there. I think he's putting in the effort. He can fly. I mean, good for him. He hasn't played a lot this year, but he can he can pressure the puck and he can get it loose sometimes. But then what happens when it's on his stick? I would argue virtually nothing. Now, hey, Patrick Russell, look, you love the guy as an underdog. His story is great. He, he works hard. Great stories don't win you games. He's he's not a great threat to score either. So what what do you want in there? Do you want Patrick Russell in a bit of a, a, a rugged straight line game? Or do you want Nygaard just using some speed to hopefully pressure the puck? I don't know. Judging from these lines today, maybe it's going to be Nygaard in. Defensively, Nurse was with Bear. Jones was with Larson and Russell was with Barry and the fourth pairing. So unlikely to play tomorrow was Lagason and Bouchard. Lagason would still have to be activated. So it would not surprise me if Bouchard comes out tomorrow and you see nurse and bear back together. Jones with Larson. They were fine last night. And uh, well, Larson had a couple of tough plays and, and Russell with Barry. So that's what I think the lineup is going to look like tomorrow. They're not having a, a morning skate. Um, so then I guess we'll, we'll see eventually for the warm-up. But again, since Cahoon didn't practice and we saw those lines today, we can make a pretty strong guess that that's how it's going to look tomorrow. It's, it's, it, it changes fast. I, I mean, I still think this is a good Oilers team. So if the Leafs are the standard in the division, that's the goal. How do you beat them? I, I think if you're, if you're Dave Tippett and that coaching staff, well, let me ask you guys this. Because we, you know, we heard these stories in, in the 1980s from Smythe Division teams. That especially Calgary, when they upset the Oilers in 86, they tailored everything they did to beat the Oilers in the playoffs because they were pretty sure that was going to be the matchup in the second round. So if you're one of the other teams in the North Division, and let's talk from an Edmonton perspective, are you, do you sit there and say, all right, this is how we have to play to beat the Leafs. That's how we're going to play all the time. Because if we think we can beat the Leafs that way, we should be able to beat the other teams that way regardless of their strengths because their strengths aren't as good as the Leafs' strengths. 
So is that what Edmonton has to do? Is, is that how they spend the second half of the season? Tailoring a game to beat the Leafs. Because if it's good enough to beat the Leafs, it can probably also beat Winnipeg. I, I think Winnipeg and Edmonton are very similar, by the way. Certainly, uh, you know, certainly Winnipeg has, has better goaltending, but I, I think they're fairly similarly structured. Otherwise, Edmonton might actually have a better defense core. So... Do you just if you're Dave Tippett and his staff, do you just say, "All right, th- this this is the ultimate problem, like the the Sherlock Holmes thing. Is this the final problem, right? It's are, are the Leafs the North Division's Moriarty, and if you can defeat Moriarty, you can certainly outscheme all the street level criminals." I'm sorry, I'm working all this weird stuff in here, guys. You know, I'm just rolling with it. But that's the thing: if the Leafs the if the Leafs are the arch villain then if you can do something that beats the Leafs, then you can defeat all the minions along the way as well. Andy writes in, can someone tell Nurse he's not a top goal scorer in the NHL? Pass the puck to McDavid when he's not on the ice. Yeah, I think, uh, did Rob say that last night? Then maybe Darnell, when they get behind, you know, forces things a little bit and wants to just charge up the ice and try to make things happen. The Big L says, I wonder how much of an impact Cassian would make tomorrow night. He's a big net front presence, and the Leafs are not necessarily a tough team. They may not play well if they're looking over their shoulders. Well, I hope whenever Cassian is back, that's how he plays and he has an impact because I ultimately think if the if the Oilers are going to be very successful this season, that they're going to need everybody. I mean, they've they've shown that they'll they'll the coaching staff will use everybody. They'll bring guys on and off the taxi squad. They won't give up on players who have struggled at some point in the season. The question is, is is Cassian going to be able to bring that night after night like he did in the playoffs now four years ago, primarily against San Jose? And, and what line is he on? I, I mean, I would think the way it is now, Cassian's chances in the top six are going to be quite limited, if not non-existent, whenever he gets back. So then he has to be an effective bottom six player. Here's the thing. The Leafs, we we talk about the Oilers being deeper. That comparison is to past Oilers teams. They are deeper than teams they've had over the past three years. Perhaps that's a relatively low bar to clear, but they, but they are cheaper. They, They are, they are deeper but they're not as deep as Toronto. So where do you find a third line? Is it Cassian coming back healthy and energized? Is it Turris finding more of his game? Can Turris get there? Can I mean, I, I thought Turris was going to be the ideal third line center for the Oilers, but he hasn't been scoring and he hasn't been able to keep the puck out of his own net when he's on the ice. But at this point, to me, those are pretty big ifs if that's the formula to try to beat Toronto is to have a better third line and Turris and Cassian are two thirds of it. So, so I think maybe there you're still rolling with Kara Ennis and, and Archibald, or maybe Neil winds up on that wing at some point. Anyway, just some uh, rambling about the Oilers who will uh, play tomorrow against Toronto. It's at six o'clock. The face-off show will be at four thirty. What was life like in the curling bubble? What was life like in the This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. 
Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Curling bubble as the mother of a five-month-old. Alberta skip Laura Walker when we get back. Uh, this is a good one from Peter tonight. Peter, you're just bringing the quips this evening, aren't you? He's related. Do you still have the name, the animal sound, Kellen? I got rid of it, so. <laughs> just, just enough of that. I'm not saving that file. Kellen's disgusted. <laughs> anyway, it was a kangaroo. It was a kangaroo, yes. Uh, I, I'm not going to try to make the noise. It sounded like a kangaroo. Uh, so Peter says, trick question, Reed. That was actually a conversation between Bob Stoffer and Mark Spector. Oh, my goodness. Peter, you make me feel dirty reading that out loud. <laughs> Stoffer and Spector. I think they actually like each other. They're sort of like an old married couple. They, it sounds like they can't stand each other, but deep down, there's love. All right. I am pleased to welcome to the show the skip for Team Alberta at the Scotties, which wrapped up on the weekend. She hung in there, got third. It is Laura Walker. Laura, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks a lot for checking on the show. Uh, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty exciting week for you. I know it ultimately wasn't the, the final result that you wanted, but uh, have you taken a moment to reflect on how you and the rink played? Yeah, we have. And I think, like you said, anytime you go into an event like that and you don't finish right on the top of the podium, you're you're definitely disappointed. That's what we go to compete for. But, um, you know, considering we pretty much had our backs against the walls since uh, a long time ago, we had to rattle off a lot of wins in a row to get ourselves um, onto the podium at all. And so it was a lot of feelings of pride in what we did there. Well, you brought up something I wanted to ask you about because you made it to the championship pool, but with a record where... I mean, you pretty well, you could, couldn't lose. I, I mean, the way I look at it, I don't really think there was any margin for error. So you sort of rose to that challenge. But how sort of mentally exhausting was that where almost every game was was kind of a do or die? Yeah, it definitely uh, took a lot out of us. But at the same time, we knew exactly what we had to do. And sometimes that's that helps us mentally to, you know, know that there is no room for error. And we it's all out there every single game. We, we kind of went into every game and we said, no regrets. Let's go out there and leave it all out there because this might be our last chance. So it might have actually helped kind of get our, ourselves laser focused for that championship round and into the tiebreaker. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that would have been, well, I'm sure it was uh, tiring anyway, but you potentially would have had to play three games on Sunday, right? Had you advanced to the final? Yes. And for me on very little sleep. <laughs> and, and now let's, let's transition. How come on, on, on such little sleep? <laughs> Yeah, I, we, uh, I had my five-month-old Liam with me in the bubble, so I was the only one in the bubble that uh, had a baby. That was the one exception that Curling Canada and AHS was able to make um, for outside people into the bubble was for nursing mothers and their infants and one caregiver. So uh, my husband was was Mr. Dad the, the whole time pretty much while I was out there, but uh, Liam decided to have basically the worst night he's had since maybe two weeks old the night before the tiebreaker <laughs> and the best night he had the night that the Scotties was over. So <laughs> Murphy's law, right? 
Right. Okay. So, uh, so how did you, what did you do mentally or physically to feel prepared if, uh, having such an odd night with, with not sleeping very much? Yeah, it, it took a lot for me. Um, it was a lot of self-talk. Luckily, we had our sports psychologist, Shannon Penn, there with us actually as our coach on the bench. So um, I, I went into the first few games of our, our first few ends of our tiebreaker and um, I wasn't feeling great. I wasn't making everything. I, I just felt a little bit off and I, I just kind of kept having to talk myself through it. Like, Laura, if you miss this shot or lose this game because you let this tiredness get to you, you are going to regret it so much tomorrow morning and um, just kind of fell back on my processes and fell back on uh, what I had done with my sports psychologist and all the things that I knew worked and just tried to basically just tried to get through every moment one breath at a time and, and not look too far into the future. And I think that's what worked for us. Okay. Well, uh, uh, pretty amazing. So is, is, is Liam, so you're saying generally he's not a very, uh, generally he sleeps a lot better than that though? Oh yeah, he's a pretty decent sleeper for his age actually. Just that night for whatever reason, I think maybe he, he was just so excited for mom to play in the morning, I guess. <laughs> Didn't want to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready to go. He was ready yeah. to go. Okay, so what's, okay, so Jeff is curling in the briar. Yeah. And then you guys are a team for mixed doubles. Do I have that correct? Uh, no. So I used to play with Jeff for mixed doubles and then he kept winning the briar. And every time he won the briar, uh, he, he couldn't play in the mixed doubles nationals with me. So I ended up getting a new partner, uh, Kirk Myers. He plays for the Dunstone team, uh, their team Saskatchewan at the briar. And, uh, when I started playing with Kirk, we won the Canadian championship and I never looked back. <laughs> so okay. poor Jeff's left on the outside now. <laughs> okay. All right. So, but are you, okay. So are you now staying in the bubble while Jeff's in the briar or what, what's happening? Yeah, so Jeff stayed in the bubble. I came home yesterday with Liam. It's those four walls were getting pretty <laughs> tiring for all of us, I think, especially for him. So I was able to come home. I'll be here for almost two weeks before um, I head back to the bubble, but Jeff doesn't leave the whole time. So he stays to compete for the Briar, and then he'll stay and wait for me to arrive and, and take care of Liam again while I play in that mixed doubles championship. Okay, well, how is Jeff dealing with, with all this? Um, you know, when Liam's there, you're not bored at all. I think a lot of people complain about, you know, the bubble being boring. You can't leave your room. You can't do that. But uh, we definitely were not bored <laughs> those last couple of weeks. So um, when Liam's there, he's just distracted trying to keep a baby alive and happy. And um, I think he's enjoying these couple of days he has here of just some nice, quiet solitude before he starts playing again. And, and once you start playing again, it's really kind of the same as any other event. You're trying to rest so much and recoup and regenerate in between games that um, it's kind of nice to actually have to just go back to your room and, and chill out. Laura Walker joining us tonight on Inside Sports, the skip for uh, Team Alberta at the Scotties that wrapped up a couple days ago. So what's it like being a curling couple? I mean, obviously, you're both very passionate about curling. And as you mentioned, you used to even be a mixed doubles team. Um, but are there moments or nights where you say like, okay, like we're not going to talk about it or, or do those just kind of <laughs> happen anyway, now that there's a baby involved, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just wondering. Yeah, we it definitely helps that we have kind of that mutual understanding, um, with each other. And even, you know, last, last week at the Scotties having Jeff there, he, he really understood what I was kind of going through as an athlete and what I needed to prepare um, and really tried to take as much off my plate as he could just, you know, being there himself knows, knows what, 
what that feels like for me. Um, but definitely lots of curling talk at home, but these last, I guess, almost a year now, basically with COVID, we've had a, a pretty welcome break from it. We just both got to kind of settle down and recharge and refocus on some other things. And now that we're back to playing again, it actually feels quite exciting and fun to talk about again, not as, you know, um, tiring, burnt out feeling that we might've had before because it's just curling all the time in our household most of the time. Right. So when you were a mixed doubles team, was there a captain? Was somebody, did some, was somebody, did somebody have the final say? <laughs> I think, I think that's probably why we didn't work as a team because I think I thought I was the captain and I think he thought he was the captain. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Okay. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. All right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad to catch up with you and, uh, you know, it was an exciting week. I think the province is, uh, is proud of you and you certainly fought hard to, to, to get to where you did. And uh, I know it didn't, you didn't get the final result, but I think it was a pretty good week of uh week of curly. And, and I think I should mention too, just, I mean, it's great that they're pulling it off. Right. I mean, we've seen other sports do bubbles and there was fear a few months ago, was there going to be a curling season? So I think it's just great fans and curlers are getting to experience these championships. Yeah. I mean, I can't thank curling Canada enough for, for what they did um, and what they're still doing. I mean, we don't have the the money or the resources of something like the NHL or the NBA putting on a bubble like this. And it pretty much went off without a hitch last week. And uh, I know there was a lot of behind the scenes hours that the staff put into making, making this successful. And uh, we couldn't be more grateful to have got back on the ice. So I just have to give a huge round of applause to them and what they did. And we're just really happy that we put something on TV for curling fans in Canada this last week. Yeah, well said. Thanks a lot, Laura. Laura Walker, Skip for Team Alberta at the Scotties, joining us on the CertainTeed Hotline. CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials pro all the way. Final look at your NHL scoreboard. The Canadians get the win over Ottawa. 3-1 is the final. Blue Jackets knock off Detroit 4-1. Penguins down the Flyers 5-2. Rangers get past the Sabres 3-2. The Islanders win 2-1 against the Devils. After 2, it's 3-0 for Carolina in Nashville. Early in the third, now 3-2 Jets leading the Canucks and middle of the second period, lightning up 1-0 on the Stars. I'll join you at 4.30 for the face-off show tomorrow. The game's at 6 here on 6.30, Chet. Oilers and Maple Leafs, Bob Stoffer as Oilers now from noon to 2. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your animal wrangler. My name's Reed. Have a good night. 6.30, Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30, Chad.